Good morning. This is Pastor Mike Letterman, sponsored by Christ-Lives.org on WXRQ Radio. This is a continuation of our series in Revelation called The Final Countdown. Today's lesson is taken from Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. It's entitled, When Hell Comes Calling. When Hell Comes Calling. You know, there can be little doubt that the book of Revelation contains some of the most frightening images in the entire Bible. This passage may be the most frightening of them all. Let's read from God's Word. Again, I use the NIV version. Regardless, yours should be close. Starting with Revelation 9, verses 1 through 12. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates, like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers, like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment people for five months. They had as a king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apion, that is, the destroyer. The first woe is past, two other woes are yet to come. We're in the midst of seven trumpet judgments. The first four judgments have been sounded, and they brought forth horrible scenes of death and destruction. The earth's environment has been shattered, and mankind is writhing under the awful judgments of a holy God. Chapter 8 closes with the angel flying through heaven, proclaiming three woes upon the inhabitants of the earth. The angel knows that the plagues unleashed by the sounding of the last three trumpets will be far more horrible than anything we have witnessed yet. Why does the Lord give us these graphic descriptions of the world, what the world will face during the tribulation? Why write about such tragedy and death and suffering? I think there are three very good reasons why these things are dealt with in the book of Revelation. Number one, these things are mentioned so the church will know what we have been saved from. It is exciting to know that God will deliver his people from this kind of judgment. Number two, he extends us this glimpse of the future as a warning to those who have not trusted Jesus as their savior. He wants them to know what they will face if they continue on in their sin and in their rejection. Number three, they are given so that those of us who know the truth might be motivated to share the gospel with the lost. As we consider the judgment associated with the fifth trumpet, I would like to share some of the awful realities that we are presented with in these verses. Regardless of whether you are saved or lost, there is a word here for you. 
We are living in a day when the subject of hell is viewed with much skepticism. People just do not believe in a literal place of torment. In fact, today, many preachers and church members reject the notion of hell as it is presented in the Bible. People joke about hell. They use the word as a byword in an everyday language. But this fact is real. Hell is a real place. Those of you that were with us when we started this series called The Final Countdown can recall the first message we preached was on hell. Real people are going to endure real torments for a real eternity in a real place called hell. They can attempt to deny it if they wish, but hell is still real. In these verses, hell visits earth. I would like to take these verses and point out the terrible realities that will be visited upon the earth in the last days. I want to preach on the subject of when hell comes calling in the final countdown. Let's look at a horrible personality. You see, when the fifth angel sounds his trumpet, we are introduced to a very horrible personality. It's my opinion that we're given the description of the devil himself in this verse. Look how he's described. A, he's a famous personality. He's called a star. Some commentators attempt to spiritualize this passage and link this with being the star of Revelation 8, uh, verses 10 through 11. I believe that star is a comet, while this star is a literal person. When we think of stars, we often think of celebrities, of those who are famous in this world. There is a sense in which this person is famous. In fact, he is known in three worlds. He is known in heaven. He is known on earth. And he is known under the earth. He is a famous personality. Of course, the devil has a name. His name is Lucifer, Isaiah 14, verse 12. The name Lucifer means brilliant star, or light bearer, or shining one. So we are introduced to Lucifer, who's a famous personality. He's a fallen personality. The word fall is a perfect tense verb. That means it refers to something that took place in the past which still has present results. In other words, the sense of that word is fallen. We are dealing with a fallen personality. Satan's fall took place sometime in the past. If you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 18. As you know, Satan or Lucifer was a highly exalted archangel, but was not content to be what God created him to be. He wanted to be God. If you doubt, look in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 17, and Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through 19. Pride was found in Lucifer, and he was cast out of heaven. He still has access to the presence of God where he accuses the brethren. Look at Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, and chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In fact, he is the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. But there will come a day when Satan will be eternally cast down to the earth. Revelations chapter 12, verse 10. So here we see Satan cast out of heaven and forced to confine his activities to the earth. The thing that brought Satan down is the same thing that causes mankind his worst problems. Pride. Pride will cause you to think that you're good enough without God. It can cause you to refuse to bow. It will cause you to walk in your own self-righteousness. I'm going to take you to hell. God says if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. But if you exalt yourself, he will bring you down. Luke 14, 11. As the writer of Proverbs said, 
Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Oh, there's a lesson there for so many of us. Pride cometh before a fall. He's a fearsome personality. This famous fallen figure is given a key to the bottomless pit. He's given the authority to unlock a prison and unleash a horrible plague upon the world. We're told in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, that Jesus has the keys of death and of hell. For a short time, the power over a host of demonic spirits imprisoned in hell is given to Satan. While we're on the subject of the devil, allow me to make a few statements about him. First, Satan is a real personality. He exists in this universe, and his power is very real. He is not a myth. There is a very real devil. Second, Satan has never been in hell. He's not there today, and he never wants to go there. He will be sent there one day. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And when he goes, he will go as a victim and not as a ruler. He hates the thought of hell. But will he be punished, punished there throughout the eternity? Yes, he will. Third, third, Satan is one of the great mysteries of the Bible. Why would God allow a being like him to have the power that he does? Satan does have power. That's why we're told to be aware of him and what he's doing. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He has more power than you or I have, but praise the Lord, God is more powerful than Satan will ever be. Satan takes the key that he's been given and he uses it to open the door to hell. This verse tells us just, tells us just how close men are to hell. One turn of the key and hell is unleashed upon the earth. This verse has some things to say about that place called hell. It is a deep place. It's called a bottomless pit. The word bottomless gives us our word abyss. It refers to a very deep chasm. The word literally means well. When Satan turns his key and opens the pit, he's literally opening the shaft that leads into hell itself. Science denies it. Lost men deny it. Human reason denies it. But there is a place under this earth called hell. And whether it goes through this planet and onto another place, it is there and it is real. The souls of lost people suffer in the fires of hell. It's clear from the verses that fall in this chapter that certain demons are being held in hell. They're awaiting their liberty. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Jude chapter 6. It is a dark place. You know, we're told that the smoke ascends out of this pit and the smoke is so great it obliterates the light of the sun. There's no saying that goes where there's smoke there's fire. Did you ever hear that from your grandmother? I heard it from mine. The same is true in this case. Hell is a place of fire. Let's look at the verses that support that. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Revelation 14, verses 10 through 11. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. And there's more. Do I need to read the rest of them? Hope you're taking notes. Yes, it is a place of darkness, and it is a place of anguish and torment. It is a place that no one should ever want to go. It is a place no one has to go. You know, men joke about hell and they try to pass it off as a silly superstition. But hell is real 
and wise people make their preparation to avoid its, its flames. You may not believe it, but a good, gracious God will allow you to go to hell. My advice to you is that you should free the, la free the wrath to come. Free the wrath to come. Run to Jesus and be saved. It's a disturbing place. Hell is disturbing to me simply because it even exists. I have to think about it, but it is a real place where people will go unless they are saved. So as disturbing as it is, we have to take the time to consider it. Allow me to share a few more features of hell that make it truly disturbing. It's a demonic place. Throughout the New Testament, hell is associated with demonic activity. Luke chapter 8 verse 31 teaches us the truth that the demons fear being sent to the abyss. Revelation 11 verse 7 tells us the beast, the Antichrist, will ascend out of this place. As I have already mentioned, fallen angels are bound there and Satan himself will spend an eternity in hell. Do you want to spend an eternity in hell with Satan as your next door neighbor? I should think not. When the abyss is open, a demonic plague spews out onto the earth. The demons that have been reserved unto judgment are released to carry out their infernal mission. I want you to imagine for a moment a world where every prison door is suddenly opened. Murders, rapists, serial killers, the criminally insane are all allowed to walk free. Can you imagine the chaos the pain, the suffering that will occur. Well, the prison doors of earth will not be opened, but hell's prison will be opened and emptied and a lost world be thrown into a time of terrible judgment. It's interesting that they are described as locusts, but these are no insects. The description probably comes from the greatness of their numbers. You see, one locust swarm reported in 1889 covered over 2,000 square miles. The image here is of an historic number of demons that are being allowed to ascend out of hell onto the earth. There's a couple of reasons why I say that these are not real locusts. Verse 4, you can see that they do not harm plant life, but they torment humans. Verse 11, they have a king. Proverbs 30.25 tells us that insects in the world, in the insect world, have no king. Verses 3 through 4, the power they possess. These demons are described as locusts, but unlike locusts, they will not harm the vegetation. A literal locust swarm will leave a green landscape looking like a desert in a short time. Locusts devour the leaf, the grain, and the stalk. These locusts who don't come for the plant life, they come for human life. They will have the power to sting like a scorpion. Scorpion stings are known to be very painful. They cause swelling and numbness. They're rarely fatal in humans. And some species of scorpions around the world are much different than the little variety that you may find in the middle of East Tennessee. I have seen some in the jungles of Central America that are quite large and leave a huge, huge mark and they burn for days. So these demonic beatings, beings are allowed out of hell, and they will have the power to cause great pain to people. But their targets are limited. They will only sting those who are unsaved. 
the 144,000 and the other believers are protected from the attacks of this great horde of hell. Let's look at the pain that they produce. When this attack comes, people will not be killed, but they will be tormented for five months. Five months, May to September, is the typical lifespan of a locust. These hellish locusts will torment men for five months. The pain inflicted upon men will be unimaginable. Every moment of every day, that demon will be there, tormenting, stinging, causing pain and suffering. There will be no escape. Men will seek every way they can to escape the torment of these demons, but nothing will help them. No pills, no potions, no poultices will work. Alcohol and drugs will not deaden the pain. For five long months they will suffer and they will find no relief from their suffering. You know, it's a shame. But in our world, people flee death. They do this in our modern time. They do everything they can to starve off his coming. Doctors are consulted, pills are consumed, and everything that can be done is to extend life for a moment more. But you see, in that day, men will pursue death in an effort to be free from their pain. People might leap from buildings, crushing their bodies on the ground, and still not be able to die. People might drink deadly poisons and ravage their vital organs and not be allowed to escape. Others might place guns to their temples and attempt to kill themselves, but they will only succeed in adding more misery to their torment. People will, may try to kill their loved ones to allow them to escape, but to no avail. For five months there will be no funerals on earth. Hell will take a holiday while men endure the pain and the suffering inflicted on them by this demonic invasion. You know, some may say, Preacher, I don't think that will happen like that. Read it again. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. It's there in black and white. If you're not saved today, please come to Jesus and avoid this terrible time. It breaks my heart to have to preach these things, but they are real. These are true, and they could be your future. If you, were come to, if you refuse to come to Jesus for salvation... Let's look at 7 through 11, verses 7 through 11. Look at the picture that they paint. Beginning in verse 6, these demons are described for us. Let's take a few minutes to consider the vivid description John gives us to this demonic army. Their horses prepared to battle. They resemble mighty war horses prepared to battle, straining at the bit. They have golden crowns on their heads. They come to the earth as conquerors. No medicine or active science can conquer them. For five long, awful months, these demons reign on the earth. They have faces like those of men. You know, I have to believe that this speaks of their intelligence. The human face is so expressive. It reveals the emotions buried under the surface. These beings are intelligent. They have hair like a woman. It could be that they're very attractive to people. It may be that they have seductive, some seductive charm by which they lure their victims to them. You know, people have always been attracted to the occult. Just look at the popularity of so-called psychics, the current fascination with angels, etc. Look at some of the teachings of groups like the Rosicrucians. Verse 8, they have teeth like a lion. Their bite is infectious and painful. A lion's bite never really heals. 
There's so much infection and bacteria in the bite of a lion that the wound will rarely heal completely. Verse 9, they have breastplates of iron. It shows that they're invulnerable to attack. They're also insensitive to the suffering of humans. Men may try to kill these demons, but that will be impossible. Men will scream in their pain and beg for mercy, but their pleas will not touch the hearts of their tormentors. They have wings in verse 9 that sound like chariots. This implies their swiftness. They will be able to surround and capture their prey with ease. Men will attempt to run, but there can be no escape. They have stings in their tails, as outlined in verse 10. We've already touched on their capability to inflict pain. It's mentioned here to emphasize the fact that the pain and torment of men is their sole objective. Verse 11, they have a king over them. They will be organized and unite in their attacks. They will be unified in their attacks on humanity. The fact that this king's name is given in Hebrew and Greek shows us that all unbelievers, both Jew and Gentile, will be targeted by this demonic invasion. What would it be like to awaken one morning to find this creature waiting for you? That day will come for multiplied millions of lost people. Don't be one of them. You know, people here talk about demons and they laugh it off and say, oh, how old-fashioned. No one believes in demons anymore. Turn your TV off. Oh, really? Oh, really? It would seem from reading this passage that God does. Just because you can't see them does not mean that they're not real. When the bubonic plague was ravaging Europe during the Middle Ages, men tried every way they could think of to cure the disease. They came to believe that the plague was caused by clean, fresh air, so they plugged up their chimneys, burning disgusting things in their fireplaces, and sat in smoke-filled houses, believing that they were going to be all right. Whole cities were clothed in foul-smelling, putrid smoke. They would fire their cannons regularly to blow away the fresh air. If you'd walked in one of these towns and told the people this plague was being caused by an invisible organism transmitted by tiny fleas and carried by rats, they would have laughed you out of town. We now know that what they couldn't see was killing them. Modern man has adopted the same attitude regarding the spiritual realm. He can't see demons, so they must not be real. Well, they are. Jesus believed in them, and he even had confrontations with them in the Gospels. Paul had a run-in or two with demons in Acts. They are real, and they are coming to this earth. No, you do not have to be here for the day when hell comes calling. If you come to Jesus, he will save your soul and, and take you to a wonderful place called heaven. If you're saved, you'll miss all this violence and torment of the tribulation. You can miss out on this terrible time if you come to Jesus Christ. You know, there is a way out. You know, many years ago, I had a friend of mine who had, had suffered from deep drug addiction. He found Jesus. And when he found Jesus, he crawled out of that hole in which he had been in as a young man in 20 and 21. He crawled out of that hole and he told me, he said, a pastor told him this. If you're in a room and the building is on fire and you find a way out, an open window, what do you do? Do you quietly go out to that window and not tell anyone else there so they can be saved too? 
Or you say, here, come here. I have found the way out. Follow me and I will show you. What do you do? Do you just go out yourself? Or do you take others with you and show them that there's a way out? Don't wait until hell comes calling to cry out for mercy. Cry out to God today and be saved by his grace. I'm going to ask all those in the sound of my voice to pray with me. You know, if you can't close your eyes, it's okay. I've said this many times on the station. God has heard me so often as I prayed for an hour at a time behind the wheel of my car. If you can, bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, dear Lord, and the time we've had to study your word. God, we already live in dangerous times. Man seeks to hurt man, and many turn away from you, Father. I know that you give all of us free will to accept your son, Jesus, or deny him. But Father, on behalf of those that don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I ask that you reach out to them and touch their hearts so they may know him. Father, if there be there those that have been saved but have turned away from you for whatever reason, I ask that you touch them too. Stir the Holy Spirit with them, Father, so that they may too return back to you. Father, I feel that our time is growing short. No one knows the hour of the return of Jesus, save you. Father, I ask your continued mercy on those that remain unsaved, for you are the fountain of mercy. Finally, Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, which in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I'd like to thank you for listening today. If you made a decision for Christ, I really would like to know. Uh, you can send us an email to ministry at christ-lives.org or visit our website at www.christ-lives.org and click on contact. If you need prayer, please leave us a message. We consider it an honor to pray for you. You'll also find these podcasts, the last five or six of them active on that website. If you missed part of it today, you can listen to it there. May God bless you all and keep you. Amen.